When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Why can't I breathe? Why can't I do anything? I would just look at them and just try to scream help, but couldn't. Hey, Carling. Where's Michelle? <laughs> Funny you should ask. <laughs> Michelle's got a lot on her plate right now, and so I roped you, my girlfriend, into being in this intro with me. So thank you. Yeah, no problem. Sounds great. Yeah. Normally, this is the part where me or Michelle would talk a little bit about what our podcast is about, but we haven't been best friends for 20 years. So no. <laughs> so for any of our just new lovers for two years oh <laughs> yes just <laughs> lovers for anybody who's new who's like what's going on what is this my name is carling and i have a podcast with my best friend michelle of over 20 years and basically we've both been through our fair share of trauma and so we thought to ourselves let's add a podcast to our plate and so here we are introducing interviewing everyday people with interesting stories to tell awesome Thanks. So the other thing that Michelle and I usually do is we tell each other, the listeners, the universe, a little something about ourselves. And I was trying to think of what I could ask you that might be interesting. And I asked if you had ever been in a parade. Yeah. Tell me. I've been in a lot of parades, actually. Like, I need to know. So I grew up in a small town. It was like a rite of passage to be Snow White on the Snow White float. Did you get to be Snow White? I had to bide my time, but yes. <laughs> but like, why have I never seen this photo or video? It exists. We'll talk to my mom about it. Barb, if you're listening, <laughs> I know you listen. So yeah. So my parents were part of the Kinsmen and Kinets Club, and they were the ones that put on the parade. Mm -hmm. We got to be in the parades all the time. One year, I was Rainbow Bright. My God. Yeah. It was like this big paper mache rainbow bright head that like sat on my shoulders. So you were like a mascot. <laughs> yeah. But I sat on a float. Like I didn't walk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then another time myself and two of my friends were three little pigs and my brother was a big bad wolf. <laughs> and they had like little, like the brick house and the straw house and the stick house on the float. And we just stood on the float and like sure, yeah. chucked candy at people. As you do. Yeah. And then another time, my brother and our two family friends were rub-a-dub-dub -dub, three men in a tub once. My mom's wow. got a picture of that too. It's funny. That's amazing. And then, yeah, it was like this big rite of passage to be Snow White on the Snow White and the Seven Dwarf Like how float. old were you? So I had to be a dwarf first. Naturally. <laughs> so. Is that offensive? 
Uh, I think in reference to the Disney movie then. Not, but yeah, Snow White and the Seven Little People. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. And my family friend who was three years older than me was Snow White. Oh. And so then everyone in like my age group, we were all a dwarf. And then I got to move up and then I got to be Snow White the one year. Big deal. It was a really big deal. And then the next level after that was you got to drive a four-wheeler or quad, depending my on where you God. live, pulling a float. That is a I lot did of that. responsibility. Yeah, I did that one year. Was that the year that... <laughs> the parade got shut down yeah. because of a no it was no reckless quad yeah. driver 12 year old driver yeah. quad yeah oh i did a good job i think nothing beats a small town parade yeah you got you, to you came to the small town parade. bob cajun yeah canada day parade yeah so these are all bob cajun parades they have a canada day parade a fall fair parade and a santa claus parade the fall fair parade i was in a bunch and you got to decorate your bike and so we Ooh. would decorate our bikes yeah and I've, there's a picture of me of my bike. And then I've got Floyd, my Cabbage Patch Kid, like in the basket. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever been in a parade? Yeah. So not until much older, but I have been in, I think, five Calgary Pride parades. Oh, yeah. I'll say being in a, watching a small town parade like this summer was great. Really enjoyed it. Going to like a big city parade, like if you're familiar with the Calgary Stampede, like that is a giant parade every year. I've been to the pride parade as a spectator. I hate the crowds. I hate the pushing. I hate the, are you going to get a good spot? Are you going to be shoved out of the way? Is there shade? I don't like any of it, but I discovered being in a parade is where I shine. Oh yeah. It's like kind of get to see the parade, but, but for somebody who doesn't like to be the center of attention, put me in a parade and suddenly I'm waving at people like I'm some celebrity. <laughs> I was yeah. like handing out like the Pope in the Pope mobile. Yes. Yeah. I'm like waving, pointing, <laughs> laughing. I don't know who I am, but parade Carling comes out. I like that. I have only been, so I've, I've only been in and then attended the small town parades. Mm -hmm. And then we moved here and I did go down to the stampede parade. I think it was, I it's think a it was, racket. It's a racket. Yeah. After Olivia was born, it would have been like maybe 2011 or like 12. You brought a baby. I brought a baby because Prince William, I think, and Kate were going to be in the parade. And She's my not going to remember. I it wasn't for her. I went oh. down with my mom. Oh, okay. <laughs> like you're hoping like royalty kisses your baby? Yeah. No, I wasn't. No. Yeah, I don't condone kissing babies. But it was... <laughs> full stop. <laughs> no, it's not good for them. They get RSV and herpes. Ew. It's a thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. But like parents can kiss their babies. Yeah. Okay. But not strangers. Royalty or not right. royalty, you're a stranger. Yeah. Can you imagine if you got RSV from a royal member? Yeah. Or like a celebrity. Herpes. Yeah. Like Oprah kissed my babies and now it. Now I have herpes. I feel <laughs> like I think the herpes virus makes babies really sick and they can die. Oh, yeah. we're not talking cold sores. Just like. Like it is a cold. But yes. the cold sore virus on an infant can kill it. Hmm. Yeah. It's not great. I'm really going to think twice now about kissing a stranger's <laughs> baby. You should. <laughs> Although, does that imply now that I have mouth herpes? I don't know. But either way, you shouldn't kiss a baby. <laughs> Fair. At this point, you could give it COVID now. Like so many more layers to this. There's a lot of reasons that we should not just be kissing babies. Yeah. Stranger babies. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I feel like this is our last episode of 2022. I feel like this is, it's a fact. Yeah. The last episode of 2022, and 
it's almost New Year's. We survived Christmas. Yeah, we did. In a word, how would you say your Christmas went? One word? Yeah, just one <laughs> word. <laughs> I want to say exhausting, but like that implies that it wasn't good, maybe? Exhausting can be good. Yeah, like it was exhausting. Ugh, like the holidays, right? Yeah, like between work. Like I used to have this cushy job. I was reminiscing about this on Friday because mm-hmm. I was driving around thinking about how I used to have this cushy oil company job. And we would close for 10 days, paid, yeah. mandatory close, shut her down. And we would spend the Friday, we closed on the Friday at noon for the Christmas break. And we would just drink mimosas and hang out and laugh. And you got a bonus. I got a f- sweet bonus. Yeah. And then we'd go home for 10 days and wouldn't like be done now until January 3rd, which isn't the case. I have to work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we're like, gonna... I'm grateful for my job. Like, don't get me no, wrong. No, it is a good job. But I think pre-COVID, yeah. we both had jobs that yeah. were like pretty sweet. And yeah. like, I am obsessed with my job. I love my job so much now. Um, but yeah, like jobs change and I didn't have a great job for a bit. I think we did all right. We had, yeah. this was the first Christmas since my dad died. So it was a little, it was a little hit or miss on what was going to make me cry. <laughs> But I didn't cry Christmas Day. No. I just cried so hard on Christmas Eve that my nose bled. Oh, yeah. And you were like, you went into the bathroom. You're like, I have to pee. No, you said you need to wash your face. I was going to wash my face. Because I don't know if you, for anybody who wears makeup, some nights it's just not a face washing night. You're tired. You just want to go to sleep. You'll do it in the morning. And I know it's not good for you. But then I was laying in bed and I was getting teary eyed and... If you wear makeup you and cry, you also know that, like, you can't rub your eye because you're wearing mascara. And so I was like, oh, I got to go wash my face. And then I was, like, having a good cry because I didn't want to wake you up because it was Christmas Eve. And <laughs> I'm respectful like yeah. that. And then you yelled from the bathroom. You're like, I just have a nosebleed. It's okay. Yeah, because I, like, I didn't you were want... in there for quite a while. Yeah, I didn't want you to be like, okay, it's been 45 minutes. Yeah. Anyway, then I had a massive nosebleed, but yeah. And then I didn't cry or have a nosebleed. We were laughing today because we said nobody cried. Not true. Nobody bled. Not true. Yeah. Yeah. What was the other one? Nobody Mm -hmm. cried, bled. Oh, no. Nobody puked. Not true. Not. Yeah. Nobody puked. We had a pukey kid on Friday night. Yeah. But he rallied. I think it was from the weather change. Yeah. We got to see family. Went ice skating and we've walked dogs and... It's been really nice. Yeah, it was nice to get out. I I just wanted to take this opportunity. I'm like looking around rapidly for something I can use as a, uh, what do you call that? Like a, can you hand me the piece of folded up paper behind you? Like this envelope? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Sound effect. I just wanted to take this opportunity to. That's a lip. Are you ripping it? Can I rip it? No, it's Olivia's prescription for her glasses. <laughs> okay, don't give me that. Give me, this is a terrible bit here. Okay. I just wanted to take this opportunity to open our mail. Oh, yeah. I received a letter from Brenda Grayson from Minnesota. And she wrote in and she said, Carling and Michelle, I just love your podcast. And I cannot get enough. I want more content. I want to binge some episodes over the next few weeks. How can I do it? Um, well, you've got a Patreon, don't you? Yeah, thank you. You're so mm-hmm. I we have a Patreon and it is a monthly subscription for as little as five US dollars a month. You can get instant access to over 70 episodes. 
What do you talk about on this Patreon? What don't we talk about is a better question. These are episodes that you're never going to hear on the main feed. And you get, like I said, instant access. And then we release two bonus episodes a month. And if you join our ultimate Sufti tier, which is our third tier, you get access to a video episode every month. That is where we wet our whistles and <laughs> you're always part of it because yeah. I make you because you're fun and we bring <laughs> on guests. So we'll have other podcasters or friends and we basically just talk about a hot topic and see where the night takes us. Yeah. It's really fun actually. Yeah, it is. I look forward to it every month. So if you're looking for a way to support the work that we do, and if you need more content, cause you just can't get enough of us go to patreon.com slash. I did not sign up for this and literally sign up for it. I like it. I'm on there too. Yeah. And, oh yeah. You've got a couple stories on there. My story's on there. Michelle's story's on there. I like these little notes you've written all over this calendar. I know I do. They're I very... have a calendar where we record and it says monthly, you've got this planner and I've never, I have ADHD, so I didn't, I don't stick to it, but I do find it really handy to doodle if I need to keep my hands busy. I know, but you've got, so girl don't date him. Is that a show we're supposed I to watch? I think that's a show. And then 500 Days of Summer is a movie. Is a movie I need to watch. Love After Lockup with with Yeah, asterisk. Justine said that's a show that we need to watch. Okay, this is me because I wrote my test here. I've got intestine, not stomach, lower risk of aspiration. Yeah. Because I, I needed to make a note during my exam. Yeah, you and I were recording something. Was it a wet Wednesday? And I said, should we mention? Yeah. But then I scribbled out because I didn't want yeah. maybe children to hear. And then <laughs> oh, yeah. don't read this one because that's, that's somebody's address. Yeah, I know her. Yeah, that's a friend of ours. Now that's I know her where she lives. address. <laughs> I like that. All right. All right. Anyway, you are in for a treat for today's episode. I talk with Amanda. She's the greatest and her story's incredible. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Yeah, I was listening to you edit it and it's great. Oh yeah, you do kind of sneak peek. I do. Uh, all right. Well, I hope everybody has a really great day. Thank you so much for listening. And I hope everybody's holidays went well. I know it can be a hard time for a lot of people, me included. And so just give yourself some grace and we'll see you next year. I mean, this is the one time a year we can say that. Yeah. All right. I'll see you next year. All right. Okay. Bye. Bye. Hello, Amanda. Hi. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you? Good. I'm so excited to chat with you. Thank you. Oh my God. Thank you for saying yes. I was so nervous reaching out to you. I hope that I can describe the madness of what happened. It's all very unbelievable and one of a kind from everybody that's heard it. Yeah. Like it seems like something that started off so simple just spiraled. I would love it if you could introduce yourself. Tell us like a little bit about who you are, and then we'll find where your story starts. Okay. My name's Amanda. I live in central New York. I've lived here all my life. I am an only child. My parents are amazing supporters of mine. I have two wonderful children, Jack and Liam. I was a dialysis technician for 11 oh, years, wow. and it was a huge part of my life. I really enjoyed giving back to the community while being able to provide life-saving services. And it was 
very beneficial for me to have that background due to everything that happened with my accident. Knowing medical terminology, being able to openly communicate with nursing staff and not being intimidated and yeah. questions and advocate for myself. It came in handy more so because when I was in my accident, I was in lockdown. I was in COVID lockdown. So to get the story started, it started February 1st, 2020. Oh, wow. This Pre-COVID, I had gotten sick and a couple of my patients had expressed to me that they tested positive for strep. So when I got sick, naturally, I was like, oh, crap, I got strep. I'm going to have to go to the doctors. I'm going to have to get a note so I can be out of work because I'm considered contagious. Yeah. And I work with immune compromised individuals. It's just not fair. Nobody wants to get sick from somebody who knows they're sick. Yeah. So I made the smart decision to call up my doctor. And I was like, hey, listen, I know it's a Saturday. I really need you to see me. She's like, no problem. Swing by the office. Five o'clock, you got an appointment. I was like, sweet. I get out of work at four. Now, mind you, I worked back to back. It was a night shift the night before. Flipped around six hours. Oh, my God. Open up the clinic. Worked all day. I was exhausted. I didn't feel good, obviously. I go stumbling into my doctor's office. I'm like, I got strep. I don't know. I like that's what my patients tell me they have. So she swabs me for the flu and she swabs me for a strep and it comes back positive for strep. She's like, okay, so here's your augmentin 875, which is what I would always take for. Is any- that like an antibiotic? Yeah, it's a commonly used antibiotic, which okay. is great. works every time. And I want you to try a new medicine called Tamiflu. Or not new medicine, but a a new medicine to you. She's like, it's a symptom reliever. It'll help you feel better. Here's your note for work. I hope you feel better. It's like, okay, cool. Swung by the pharmacy, picked up my meds, but the antibiotic wasn't ready for pickup yet. I said, that's okay. I'll be back in the morning. It was like 6.30 by this time. Pharmacy was getting ready to close. I was like, I'll just take the Tamiflu. No worries. Grabbed myself some chicken noodle soup. Went home, took a nice hot shower. Got all snuggled in bed, took the med, tried to fall asleep. About 10 minutes after I took it, luckily I don't fall asleep quickly. I sat up in bed and I'm like, why do my lips feel weird? He's like, what? Oh God, that's so scary. Yeah. And mind you, this is 930 on a Saturday. I don't have my kids for the weekend. I'm like, relax and not find myself in the ER. Yeah. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, man, that does feel weird. So I sit up, turn the light on and I open up my front face camera and I'm looking and I'm like, Amanda, you don't have lips. Like what's, and within 10 minutes, my cheeks started to puff up a little bit. And I'm like, oh shit. (laughs) Yeah. So me being a single mom of two, living on my own, working 60 plus hours a week, I'm exhausted. My funds are limited. I don't want to call 911. What do I do? Yeah. I call my dad lives 15 minutes away. Call him up. I'm like, dad, put the pedal to the metal. I need you to bring me the ER right now. And he's like, absolutely. Hops in the truck, flies it to my house. My oldest son was actually home with me. He chose not to go to his dad's house that night. So he was home, but he was sleeping. And I went in there and I was like, hey, listen, I'm going to run to the hospital real quick. I was like, I probably just need some Benadryl. I'll be fine. No, I wasn't fine. <laughs> By the time I down to my dad's truck, 
I could barely see. Oh, my God. And I took three pictures before as this first happened because I was like, I got to show my doctor. That's yeah. I always am. I'm just like, I got to prove myself. So my dad gets me down in the truck. He floors it. The hospital's seven minutes away from my house if you're flying. I'm fumbling around. I luckily grabbed my wallet before I left. I walked in the door, barely could see. Security took one look at me. I went through the metal detector. I looked at the secretary and I go, I took Tamislu. My name is Amanda Beamish. Here's my insurance card. Boom. I was oh. out. I was in a coma. My brain shut off at that point right there. Apparently, they brought me back around and I was coherent for another hour or two. And then they had to intubate me. And oh. I was very combative because yeah. I I couldn't see. I couldn't. Yeah, you panic. I went into my third allergic reaction. And then they just sedated me, intubated me, whatever. But the last thing I remember is running up to that secretary and just throwing my information at her and just boom. Oh, God. And I didn't wake up for almost two months. And did your dad come in with you? Oh, yeah. Yep. And was he just he didn't know what was going on? I tried to tell him as much as I could on the way there. I was sick. And everything. So he will, he, he's on top of it. He's not right. scared of that stuff. Like he's the one who takes charge whenever there's like a travesty in the family and yeah. stuff like that. He used to be a paramedic, firefighter, like dude's incredible. So luckily he was there with me. He contacted my mom. My mom came up. My mom didn't have a car at the time. So my aunt had to drive her up to the hospital. I guess I was only there for two days and then I was airlifted via med flight to a neighboring hospital because I was way out of their realm. Right. What had happened was when the allergic reaction happened, it wasn't just an allergic reaction. I went into straight anaphylactic shock. Oh, God. It's literally like you get fried from the inside out. So what happened, all of my nerve endings, the furthest away from your heart is affected first. So unfortunately, I suffer from peripheral neuropathy now, a deadening of your nerves. So I can't feel normally from my knees down now. I've worked very hard to get to this point. This is about as good as I'm going to get. I can deal with all this, but the legs. I'm in a wheelchair. I wear these four stump oh, yeah, braces. like a leg brace. Yeah. Yep. They're like four stump. Same oh. exact. <laughs> yeah. And can you walk at all or stand when you wear those? Yes. I can walk with them. I can walk a super short distance without assistance. Because it like oh. holds your leg up basically. Yeah. It has a swinging built-in mechanism. My feet, I can't lift them up. So this, when I take a step, it automatically lifts it up for me. Oh, wow. And it gives me the support on the side too to help brace my leg and carry my leg with it. So without these, I'm donezo. I'm in no man's land. I can only take maybe two, three steps before I have to hold on to something. And I can only stand for a very short period of time without those on. But those give me incredible strength that I'm able to drive a car. I'm able to oh wow short distances, like with a shopping cart. I can do like the size of an Aldi's grocery store. 
Okay. Sometimes I'll have to sit down for a little, like I'll perch myself on the bottled waters for a yeah. minute or two. <laughs> section. But other than that's about all I can do with my legs, which sucks. And so what's happening in this two months that you're in a coma? So the two months, the reason why I had to leave the hospital was because I, unfortunately, through the anaphylactic shock, not only did it deaden my nerves, but it brought my immune system down to my white blood cell count was through the roof because I had the strep infection. That mixed with turning my immune system down to nothing created me into a Petri dish. Oh, and no. area to land in my system happened to be necrotizing fasciitis, which is a flesh-eating bacterial virus. Yeah. This is where my uniqueness comes in. Less than 3% of people who contract NF survive. Wow. Yeah. And I had my last rites called on me probably six times. Chaplin and my dad were so close, they used to get coffee together every morning. The NF took over. They couldn't figure out that it was NF yet. My mom said she sat there and held my hand and watched my eyelid disappear. Oh my God. The pictures that I sent to you, the really graphic ones of me, that was when they were just about to airlift me. Oh, wow. Because they could not keep up with it. It just started everywhere. And that's the risk, right? Is once it gets started. Once it starts, it typically does not stop. And the only that you can help prevent it is to cut ahead of it. So I unfortunately had to be slit from ear to ear and my face was peeled off like a tuna can. They took all the meat out of the side of my face. If you look closely, it's very cheekbony. Yeah, they just gave you some cheekbones. Yeah. Yeah. I was like (laughs) half a facelift over here. But it ended up taking all the meat out of my jaw on the inside of my cheek is all scars. Let's see. There was another wound that went from the base of my ear down here, but it was on this side. And I had a wound vac attached to that one because that was really What's a bad. wound vac? A wound vac is like a super sucker. It's a shop vac that they hook up oh. a piece of tape over it. Yeah. And it sucks all the, the infection and bad tissue out. It's like a breast pump, but it feels like because it pulsates to get that suction. But unfortunately, because all of this was open, I was drooling so much. (laughs) So my mom watched my eyelid disappear. St. Joe's decided that I was out of their scope of practice. So they put out an APB to all the surrounding hospitals saying, we don't know what's going on with this. This is what happened. Anaphylactic shock. The face is being eaten off. What do we do? And it was starting to go into my eye. Oh, no. And they didn't have an eye specialist. So it was a toss-up between Albany Med and a hospital down New York City. But they didn't think I would survive the flight to New York City. And it was only like 25 minutes more than the flight to Albany. So it was like, that's how detrimental it was. But I got life lighted to Albany Med and my parents followed behind in their cars. They said that they just, they sat there and just watched my face get eaten off. I was 
in and out of surgeries multiple times a day. I had over 50 surgeries. They decided to keep me in a medically induced coma, not only because of anesthesia in, out, in, out. Also, it's just ethical because it was just, it was awful. I received blood transfusions, movements of skin, cutting away of skin. I didn't have my throat tattooed back then. So this was all, this all used to be scars. I ended up, you see on my forehead right here, there's a big scar. Yeah. Took a hunk of skin from my forehead and flipped it around and sewn it to my eye because it had great blood flow to it for there to try and reconstruct, hopefully in the future, another eyelid. Because unfortunately, the only skin that is similar to an eyelid is inside of a female's anatomy. It did not harvest skin from there. To try and build me a new lid because they didn't think it would the blood flow issue, you know. Yeah. Try. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. Luckily, they did not do that. I've seen <laughs> like skin transplants from like people's arms, like onto like mm -hmm. their noses for like frostbite and stuff like that. Yeah. But they had to just take it out of there because my immune system was wiped out. And I guess I was having actions to different antibiotics they were putting me on. And did you have allergies I that had, you knew of? I had a scare similar to, I swear I have nine lives. I had a scare similar to this. I had necrotizing cellulitis. Oh, I've never even heard of that. That happened in 2001. I went to Las Vegas and unfortunately a brown recluse crawled in my shoe and wanted to come back to New York with me. Is that a spider? Yes. A very venomous spider. And unfortunately, not only are they venomous, but I am deadly allergic to them as well. <laughs> oh my God. So that was a whole nightmare. That was a three month long thing. I wasn't in a coma for that. That was a outpatient thing. I've probably been inpatient, but my doctor knew that how compliant I was with everything. That was another life of mine. <laughs> I've had a couple. But yeah, I just, my body would just get so used to one thing. And then I'd be like, no, we're not going to, we're not going to work with that anymore. Give us something new. I was never satisfied to heal itself and make itself better until they figured out what kind of IVIG infusion to give me to boost up my immune system that would take. And until they could right. figure Oh, they couldn't bring me back up. Unfortunately, during all of this, COVID happened. Oh, my God. When I went into a coma, the world was just fine and dandy. Yeah, you just had strep throat. When I woke up two and a half months later, I went down February 1st. And then I woke up towards the middle of April, I want to say. I don't know the day definitely because I unfortunately have not looked at my medical records yet. I'm not ready to do yeah. that. It's a huge step for someone to take, especially when you don't know what happened to you. It's scary to hear stories from my parents of yeah. what they through trying to help me heal. It was just a very difficult <laughs> situation all around. But yes, unfortunately, during this, COVID did happen. And my parents weren't able to come up and stay with me while I was in a coma. Probably the last, they said, week and a half I was in it because the hospital shut down. Yeah. So just me unconscious with nurses and doctors 
relying on them to do the right thing and take care of me while they're dealing with their own stressors, being essential workers. This whole madness is going on in the world and they have to give their part to me. Yeah. It was just, if this accident didn't happen, I would be the essential worker in my dialysis clinic. I had an incredible team and I built such a bond with them that I think is a lot stronger than most patients get because there was no visitors to bother them. Family members to ask them 8 million questions and stuff like that, like they could really focus in on their job. So I felt yeah. like I really did get an elevated level of care, luckily. Out of this whole situation, that's the positive, you know, positivity in it, I guess you could say. When you woke up, you're in a completely different hospital. Well, when I woke I couldn't see. I like couldn't. not from either eye? No, this was, we didn't know at the time, but this eye was dead. They didn't have hopes that this eye would work either, but it wasn't as bad as this eye. For some reason, it took over this eye and this part of my face mostly, and then swooped in down here. So when I woke up, I couldn't move because all of my nerves were fried from the anaphylactic shock. At one time, I had almost 21 lines put in me. My arms hurt so bad. Like I literally was a pin cushion. Couldn't move. I couldn't see. I couldn't talk. They had to place a tray. And all I could do was hear. And all I could hear was the news. EV on, CNN, or whatever, 24-7. So here I am locked in here. Yeah. I can't communicate. It's like sleep paralysis. You can't do anything. You're just, you're stuck there. And all I'm hearing is there, there are three, body, three dead bodies deep in the streets of Guatemala right now. We don't know what's going on. Everybody's dying. I remember vividly hearing somebody killed the bat somewhere and made a soup out of it and ate it. And that's where the virus came from. And then I heard it was a government conspiracy. And I'm like trying to come out of a ketamine fentanyl coma for two months. And anybody that's been in a medically induced coma, they'll tell you straight up, you'll never be the same after that. And the did you come out of it medically? Did they initiate you waking up or did you just start to wake up? <laughs> My insurance company influenced them to bring me Are out of it. Are you kidding me? dead serious because it was COVID. They needed beds in the ICU. So they thought they'd give it a whirl and pull me out of the coma. Between that, mixed with insurance, pushing on them, they're like, yeah, let's bring her out, see what happens. Anybody who's been in the lovely fentanyl, ketamine, cocktail world, you cannot distinguish what is reality and what is your dream world? Because the dreams that you had literally felt like other lives, like they were reality. So do you have a memory of three months? When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file.
At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Or another lifetime, like while you were under? I had a series of 15 dreams while I was under. You want to talk about torture. It's like your purgatory. You have seen but would never believe. You experience in those dream worlds. I was sex trafficked in one. Another one, I was human sacrifice. Another one, I was a victim of a stalker. The other one, I was put up. You remember the story, The Dangerous Game? Like yeah. humans was in one of those dreams. I was kidnapped and forced to do slave labor. My mother got killed in one of the dreams. Another one, I witnessed a gang murder rate. It was such intense realities within my brain. And when I came out of it, my story was completely unbelievable. And doctors telling me like, oh my God, you're alive. Nurses and doctors and techs and secretaries and cleaners and everything come in my room and they're like, you survived? I was the talk of the hospital. Nobody could believe my recovery. Like I, I was the hot top because like I said, they didn't have the visitors. They wanted to escape the outside reality because of the whole yeah. pandemic. So it was like I was the hot story. <laughs> um, yeah. And how did you come to terms with waking up, realizing all of those things were not real? And then realizing I've it's been three months. I'm not in the same hospital I started in. There's a global pandemic. Like I said, I couldn't speak. I tried to write on a whiteboard. I remember that. Like when I first came out of it, I remember the nurses trying to put a pen in my hand and like trying to get me to communicate, but I couldn't see what I was writing. They wouldn't let me see myself, but give me a mirror. They wouldn't let me have my phone. So you like, started getting so your, the vision in your left eye back? I started to, yes, when they finally gave me my phone. My parents had to mail it to the hospital because they couldn't, there was a no yeah. trap. You know, we lived three hours away. Yeah, they had to mail it. And I guess the mail was all delayed because that was the only form of communication and a way to transport goods. And people are fighting over paper, towels, and toilet paper by this time. People are ransacking packages to the hospital in the mailroom. And I couldn't remember my mother's last name, let alone her phone number. Like yeah. they had I don't know. It was just, it was so mind boggling to me to have these nurses come in and be like, this is what you went through. And I'm like, wait, what? I was like, why can't I breathe? Why can't I do anything? I would just look at them and just try to scream help, but couldn't. The words come out when you have a trach. When I came out of a coma, not only could I just only hear, but my arms were also tethered to the bed. Because when I would get agitated and stuff I would start trying to like itch you know I yeah got all abs all over me stitches oh my god millions of stitches oh god very stitching and then you have to go in later on that day cut them out do stitches again 
and the medical tape and the bandages. I'm allergic to bacitracin, so that doesn't work very well. But what is got, that? It's just neosporin. Oh, okay. Yeah, antibacterial. Wait, allergic to that too. So they would have to find something else to work with. It was crazy. So yeah, when I came out of a coma, all I could do was hear. I was strapped down to a bed and all I could hear was chaos going on in the world around me. I didn't know where my babies were. If yeah. my apartment was gone, I thought they went through. I had the worst thoughts. I'm hearing all these people died and I'm like, my parents are dead. My kids are dead. Nobody knows where I live. Nobody knows who I am. I was gone for how long? Do I even have an apartment? Do yeah. I have, what about, about my job? What about my patients? Yeah. My family, my animals, all of these thoughts rushing through my head, mixed with the news stories, mixed with yeah. the nurse doctors and just all the confusion and everything. It was just so overwhelming and so overbearing and just very difficult to process through to this day. And probably for the rest of my life, I will be in some sort of counseling is just too much for one person to handle. Did they offer that in the hospital? Was there a social worker, a therapist? They did. I had a Good. psychologist visit me pretty much on the daily just to check in and make sure I'm okay. And when you leave, we're going to make sure that you follow up with a psychologist, which they didn't, but that's another story. Oh. They're just, I love all that. I love you to pieces, but you're yeah. just was awful. Oh, God. <laughs> but yeah, it was compared to the opening of The Walking Dead, apparently. Yeah. I've only the first episode. But yeah, that kind of sounds like it. Mixed with The Matrix. And if you've ever seen the movie What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams, yeah. it was like that. Like, I was there, but I wasn't there. Like, I felt like a ghost. But every yeah. Felt so unbelievable. So, unfortunately, through all of this, they had to shave my head. Oh, on top of all this, and I'm a girl. I like my hair. Yeah, so I'm back, no, covered in battle wounds, so jacked up. I broke free one day of my tethers, and I touched my face. <laughs> felt this, and I ripped yeah. bitches out of here because I was mad. Now, my, I was screwed up. On yeah, you're like on heavy medications. Yeah, oh, very much so because I felt my hair was gone and I was so mad. I got really angry because my hair does not grow. Oh, it's, no. So I lost my hair. I lost my eye. I lost my independence. I lost friendships. I lost my job. I lost my financial stability. I lost my ability to parent the way I wanted to. I lost so many freedoms. I had plans to move to Iceland. You know, I was going to move to Iceland because of my job. I could travel anywhere in the world. A traveling yeah. dial technician. Yeah. To go to college and be in the nursing industry. It was like a godsend. So losing all of that on top of the physicalness and the mental mess, it affected everything, like social standing. Yeah. Everything. My social life is going to doctors and maybe the grocery store if I'm feeling sociable. Right. It's completely isolated me. Did they know right away that you'd have trouble walking? I had to learn how to walk all over again. They didn't believe me for a while. 
how bad my legs hurt. I couldn't even have a sheet on them. Wow. My legs were so sensitive and my feet were so sensitive. I couldn't move them. I couldn't even get myself out of the hospital bed to go to the bathroom from being the caretaker to being taken care of so much to the point where I couldn't even clean myself up from throwing up. I couldn't oh, wipe. Yeah. I couldn't even tell when I had to go to the bathroom. That's how messed up I was because of yeah. just coming off of all those drugs and trying to figure out like, how does this body work? It was yeah. like being a newborn thrown into a full grown body and trying to figure it out. I had to use a walker. I still use a walker time to time. I use my cane. I use my wheelchair. I have my leg braces. I did extensive physical therapy. It's crazy. And I had to learn how to feed myself. That took a while because when I had my trach, you can't eat. When I finally had my trach pulled, which was about a week and a half after they pulled me out of a coma, they didn't think that was going to happen. And when I came out of it and got my marbles together, it took me about a week and a half. And then I was like, my vision started coming back in this eye. It was extremely blurry. I don't want to say it was gone. It was just so effing blurry and it was so frustrating. Like when you wake yeah. up, he's on and you want to switch the channel and you're like, what is that? And it was like, I had almost 20-20 vision. I wore glasses before. So it was... uh Memory loss is also. I know. <laughs> yeah. So is that something else that you noticed is there's like that memory loss? I'm on a very strong dose of gabapentin now. Oh, yeah. And that's really good for nerve pain, right? It's the only thing that's ever worked on my nerves. And I'm on the maximum dose per day that anybody can take. And it's a thousand milligrams three times a day. That'll typically knock anybody on their watuzi. The norm for me now, like I am, on, I am so proud to say that I am on no pain meds. Wow. Off of everything independently on my own. I was on a very strong dose of morphine every four hours. I slowly weaned myself off of that. I was on prednisone steroids. When I came home from the hospital, my dad went to the pharmacy to pick up all my prescriptions. They gave them a grocery bag. Oh, wow. I have my daily pill organizer. Like I've gotten off of the majority of the meds. I have successfully terminated relationships with some of my doctors because they're no longer needed because I, I healed or progressed as much as I can. Mm -hmm. I'm proud to say that I'm just on nerve medicine now and copious amounts of cannabis having that medicine there, yeah. as an, but I don't need it anymore. So it's nice. And how long did you end up being in the hospital before, before going um, home? So I went in February 1st and I was discharged the day New York State opened back up. So the day that I got discharged from the hospital, I was finally able to have somebody come visit me but the hospital wasn't open to visitors yet anyways but right states threw away opened up it was just nuts i think the throwaway was open the entire time but like to basic travel like they frowned upon it like the troopers were out it ended up being i think may 15th was the day i got discharged wow. so february march april may so like almost four months yeah after i came onto the coma and i was 
put on a regular floor. I was on there for two weeks. I was on a regular floor. And that was mostly to get my brain together and figure out that my legs didn't work and that I needed other stuff. But they shipped me to their rehabilitation center within the hospital. So it's rehab. And I was there for, I think, five weeks, five or six weeks. And in that time, I learned how to be a human again. I was put through extensive therapies. My day would start out at 6 a.m come in with my breakfast and then my occupational therapist would come in and help me get out of my gown, wash up, help me get dressed. And then her and the nurse, we would help slide board from my bed into my wheelchair. And then I would go down the hall, do my physical therapy, come back for a short period of time. Usually during that time, I'd FaceTime with my family, you know, make sure the kids got up, they went to school. Thank God for FaceTime. That's what yeah. all I got. FaceTime is what saved me because I was able to FaceTime. Even though my family couldn't visit me, my family and friends, they could always find me on FaceTime, which was amazing. Right. Yeah, seeing a voice is yeah. one thing. Be able to see my babies. Just I wanted to reach through and just. Yeah. But yeah, I'd come back from physical therapy, usually FaceTime, touch up with the kids, make sure they got off to school, everything, have a little snack. Then I'd go to speech therapy because I had to learn how to talk all over again. Because of the nerve damage or the skin removal? It's all of it. Like this side of my face, I can only feel maybe 30% of my face. It's numb. Wow. You could smack me with a fish and I couldn't feel it. Yeah. But yeah, this, when they closed this up, they had to seal me up to here. And then after I got discharged, I had another reconstruction surgeon, plastic surgeon, Dr. Tatum. You're amazing. He's retired. (laughs) They had to go in and recut my smile. Yeah. It's just painful. I felt like the Joker. So they had to recut my smile. And because I had the wound vax and everything through this main line right here, I have extensive scar tissue there. So I have a, what is it called here? A contraction, a muscle and nerve contraction right here. So it's, it's so it like stays contracted. Yeah. They go in and snip it and try and release it a little bit. I'm like a strong bungee cord right there. Yeah. It was crazy. So I had to learn how to talk all over again. And my amazing speech therapist, she knows who she is, but she was incredible very patient with me. We had an amazing relationship together. She gave me the confidence to learn how to speak and learn how to, I don't know. It was another tool of my, the things that she taught me, like how to hold my face, how to hold my tongue. Like it's still things that I have to use to this day. And I'm very grateful that she showed me the right to do it. Then come back from there, do lunch. And then I go to occupational therapy. And there I would learn how to do my fine motor skills. My occupational therapist, Darian, she was freaking incredible. So much kindness to me. She was the one who would come up to my room every morning and help me get dressed. So me being naked around somebody, I got to be, I got to be cool with you. Even though we were in a medical setting. Yeah. But she was very kind, so professional, so loving, so caring. And she really helped me feel more comfortable in my skin. I guess you could say we would play connect four all the time. That was my thing, like learning how to pick up the discs and try and put them in the right spot. The beadwork, the, the abacus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one where you have to do. She used to drive me crazy with those things. 
<laughs> but through that, and then I'd come back, and then I'd have to go to physical therapy again. So I'd do physical therapy twice a day, occupational therapy twice a day, and speech therapy once a day. I did all that, was back in my room by three, exhausted, take a nap from three to four, and then the nightmare, I can't remember what his name is now, but he was, he was a young kid, incredible, came in every day, helped me change in my hospital gown again, make sure I got everything all situated, we'd high five, he'd be gone for the night, and then I'd just hang out and talk with my family, we'd eat dinner together over FaceTime, Aww. and then go to bed and do it all over again, and I did that six days a week. The only day I got off of a week was Sunday. And then on Sundays, I would just hang out with my nurses whenever they came in the room. I'm like, don't go to the other patients. Come hang out with me. <laughs> and I was the young rehab floor. I was the youngest oh, one. Wow. But he there was like, they're from a broken hip. Or, they were all so nice. I love little old ladies. They were so sweet. But yeah, it was a process. And as soon as they were able to stand me up on the parallel bars with the leg braces, let go of me for two seconds. They alerted my insurance company and they're like, time for you to get out. I can't even, being from Canada, we've heard so many people's stories of the, it's the insurance companies dictating the level of care. It is awful. My hospital bill, try and guess how much it was. Was it over a million? It was just under a million. Oh. And wasn't including my life flight, which was almost a million because they had to do, they had all those things going. It was a three hour trip. It was obviously completely unexpected, but between the life flight, the one hospital bill, the second hospital bill, the rehab bill was another separate bill. All the labs, the psychological care, they broke it down into everything. But Luckily, I have always been a klutz my entire life. And luckily, I took that to heart when I started my job. And I signed up for every additional kind of insurance possible. I was carrying the insurance for my children. So it was an adult plus two. I was paying about $450 a week just in healthcare insurance. That's not including the cost of prescriptions the cost of co-pays, the cost of scans. Oh yeah, an MRI here will set you back probably five, eight grand. It's crazy. And it's linked to your employer. Lose your job, you lose your health insurance, you get sick, you're donezo. What happened with your work? Luckily, I had my health insurance and I had top tier health insurance because I go to the doctors frequently. This was before my accident happened. Like I'm a klutz. I get sick all the time. I broke yeah. bone. I also had a rheumatology issue. I have ankylosing spondylitis as well, which is an autoimmune disease. Okay. And seeing a specialist for that costs money. Eye doctor. Oh, eye care and dental care are separate as well. Those are separate insurances that you have to purchase. That's a luxury health care. Oh, no wonder they wanted to hurry up and get you out. They wanted to get me out of there before the accident even happened. Yeah. And it has been a continuing struggle. I now have health care provided through the government because I'm not able to work. But you, you had to fight for that, right? It wasn't like an obvious. Yeah. If you don't know how to fight and advocate for yourself, 
you're not going to make it being sick in America. You're just not. So I still continue to fight with insurance companies. I actually just had a battle last week trying to get a new antidepressant covered. They denied it twice. I had to do an over-the-phone appeal with them and explain to them, would you rather have me have a mental psychotic break and have to go into a mental institution and you foot the bill for that? Or would you like to approve me for a year of this medicine so we can just get this done and over with? So finally, I won my appeal and got my Pentelix, which I just started to try and battle with seasonal depression because it has hit me like a Mack truck this year. It's yeah. like my mind is finally trying to relax from all of this. And it's going to be overwhelming till the day I die because yeah. it's trauma. You know, nobody wants trauma. Nobody wants to no. deal. It's awful. But trying to find different ways to cope with it is what I'm focusing on now. I know that my mental health care needs to be taken care of. So I participate in group therapy for CPTSD. Wow. Which is a chronic PTSD form because my trauma is literally thrown in my face every single moment of every single day. I can't move without leg braces. I can't emulate without my wheelchair. I save money in makeup. We'll say that. <laughs> money on eyeliner. I did have to get my eyebrows microbladed because I did lose my eyebrow. Oh, no. Where they took all of this skin and pulled it down. My actual eyebrow is right here like wax down here which is embarrassing and that's like, yeah does your do your eyebrows try to grow there they do and i'm convinced that there is an eyelash in there that is poking my brain swear to god it's gonna happen it just keeps growing i just yeah. had my clothes back in may wow. that was reconstruction surgery that i had unfortunately because there was so much extensive damage within my eye socket shout out to you dr rothschild he was my oh he was my eye surgeon He's my savior. I love him so much. He was the one doctor that I remember. He came in every single day at his phone number. They had my parents' phone number. They were on a two or three times a day contact. This man, incredible. And he was still a student at that time and took charge of my, like, he's the one that raised his hand when they put out that APB and said, we'll take her. And he took wow. care of and helped me survive. And I was going through my mom's phone and I found his phone number. So I kept it in my phone. And I just, for shits and giggles the other day, probably like two weeks ago, I messaged the number, said, I don't know if this is still you, but it's Amanda. And I just wanted to say, thank you so much for everything that you ever did for me. I'm going to cry. I said, oh, I was like, I have the amazing opportunity to speak my story. And I just, I'm so grateful for him. He's such a kind doctor who understood the assignment. He unfortunately left the hospital shortly after I was discharged because he had to finish his fellowship someplace else. And I reached out and he messaged me back. He still has the same phone number back in Albany. And I'm going to go visit him and we're going to have Oh, lunch. that's so amazing. And I'm like, so excited to show him what I am now. He handed me over to an incredible surgeon here in Syracuse, Dr. Cruz, who did what everybody else said was impossible. They said that I would never be able to close my socket because there was just 
There was no skin there. I looked like I got shot in the face. There was a hole there. And I was so freaked out. I made an appointment with him and I go, Dr. Groot, I go, I am so scared that a spider is going to crawl in my eyeball. <laughs> I said, I'm having nightmares about it. And it's freaking me out. I said, we've got, we tried to go the prosthetic route. We tried that first. You want another, you want an eye. Everybody wants two eyes. Yeah. Nobody wants to be like this. I went out to a specialist two hours west of here, who's the only eye prosthetic person in upper New York. We tried to put a spacer in. He put it in and I was like, okay, it feels uncomfortable, but it's okay. We'll give it a shot. So I left his office and I went next door to Applebee's to go have lunch because I was starving. The first bite I took of my salad, the spacer fell out of my eye and into my salad. So I took a picture of it and I sent it to him and I'm like, I don't think this what we had in mind so <laughs> that's so funny because it ate so much of my socket and my under eyelid and all that other nonsense it just it never worked so we decided to close up the socket and he did an incredible job and I gave him a nice little scare because my IV fell out during the middle of the surgery oh god and huh? this open and I was like hey what's up, doc and he's like oh hey Amanda oh shoot <laughs> and then I don't remember anything after that because I woke up and there's an IV in the other arm. So I was like, oh, my IV must have slipped out. He's like, yeah, that happened. <laughs> I was like, okay. So yeah, that's my story. It's crazy. And how did your kids react? How old were they when it happened? So Liam is my youngest and he's now 12. So he was a little guy. And my oldest is 16 now. They were incredible. So strong. Not only were they not having their mom there during this very scary time, but she's not the same mom. My physical look, my physical abilities to parent, like I said, parent the way I wanted to. I, we have so many beautiful parks around here and trails. And my oldest just started getting into liking hiking and liking going to Green Lake thing. And it was like between that and then school, they had to go remote. They went from going in school and having that support system at school to help deal with me to being isolated just as much as I was. So it was hard to see them yeah. not be able to be there with them to yeah. help for that. But knowing that I physically couldn't be there. But when yeah. I, um, unfortunately, my apartment was on the third floor. So obviously couldn't climb stairs at the time. So I was discharged to my mom's home, which is all one level. Very wheelchair accessible, very friendly to me, thank God. So I stayed home for, got discharged in the middle of May. I was back at my house by the beginning of August. Did you have an elevator or did you have to climb? Oh, it took me a while, but I would get myself up and down those stairs every single day because my kids had to go to school. Yeah. I had to drive them to school. Luckily, they were remote in school. But when they started up that school year in 2020, they were still remote. But I still had to go grocery shopping. I still had to bring them places. It wasn't their fault that I yeah. was. So I would climb up and down those stairs every day. It was my physical activity. I had to get up. If you don't use it, you lose it. That was the yeah. number one I learned in the healthcare system. If you don't use it, you freaking lose it and it's still difficult for me to go upstairs 
But if there's a will, there's a way. And yeah, goddamn it, I'll full of will. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Off. Do you co-parent? Do they go see another parent sometimes? They do not stay with their dad. Their dad is very readily available. My ex-husband and I, we have a very good relationship. I was with him from the age of 16 to 34. So we were together for a very long time and we were very good friends. That's the best way, right? That's what you hope for. Like, I know if I need him for something, he best pick up the phone and we make it work together. Whatever happened between him and I doesn't have to involve the children. Everybody came together. My best friends, they all joined in. My best friend came up from Texas and her boyfriend, oh, wow. they took charge. That was Jasmine and Jeff, my best friend, Tara. She actually got an apartment in my apartment complex in the building right next to me just to be close to me, to help me with my kids. Incredible. She would pick them up. She'd take them to Sky Zone. You know, she'd take them out to dinner. She'd sleep over at the apartment just to have them have a familiar uh, with home again. They were uprooted as well. They went from living with me to having to live a completely different total environment, whereas the only other place they've ever lived, they would go and visit their dad every other weekend. That was it. So, you know, it was a shocking development for everybody around. I ended up staying in my apartment for a year and then my rent was going to be increased. It was getting a little bit too cramped for living in a two-bedroom. I enjoyed the tiny living situation, but my son is very vocal when he plays video games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I reached out to my mom and I said, hey, we can help each other. So I moved in with my mom and 16 months later, I'm still here. We're redoing the house little by little, doing what we can. You know, we're two disabled chicks just trying to make it work. And she's yeah. a co-parent with me. She helps me out immensely. That's amazing. We Great support. My dad's here. Everybody's here. And the TikTok communities really embraced me. How you yeah. found me. I reached out and I was just, I was at my wits end one day and I was like, Amanda, you just need to get it out there. Everybody that knows you knows your story and they have helped people through my story. What if I were to reach out there, just put my story out there and help people cope with their, their trauma? Everybody's got trauma. It comes in all different shapes and sizes, but when you're feeling sad and you're feeling down, it's the best thing to do is to reach out when you need help. And that's what I did. Yeah. I needed a new audience to just hear me. So I didn't feel so crazy in my head. It was like, yeah, okay. So I know I yeah. am the dad. Are there others that did it? Is there anybody else out there that I can relate to? Because from what I've heard, there was only one other person admitted in my hospital within the past 10 years with NF. Wow. They had it in their chest cavity. Oh, and he God. Not for almost a year before he passed away. Oh. And that was my mom heard from another nurse. Otherwise, nobody else knew what they were dealing with. At first, they didn't know if I had an infectious disease. They didn't know if I had a new form of the plague or something. They yeah. So it was a very complicated situation. And luckily, everybody stuck together and didn't give up on me. So I just yeah. want to, you know, don't give up. I fought for everything that I got now. And I'm going to keep fighting. Obviously, yeah. back for a reason. So try and explore all my avenues and see if I can help when I can help or it makes me sad I can't work I really miss my job and I miss my sense of community that I had at my job my patience yeah having that purpose 
learning the disability life is that you left to relearn your purpose. Yeah. You have any other? Yes. No, I just love you so much. You're so great. I love you. I I just, I have a back history of public speaking and medical. So I'm just like, I let it fly. I speak how it is. Yeah, that's so great. I'm so thankful that you are so open and you even through the hardest part, you can laugh a little and find light where there's light. And yeah, the fact that you just kept going, a lot of people maybe wouldn't have. I don't know. I tried to give up a couple of times, but I just I looked at my kids and my mom and my dad. Yeah. And I'm like, I've put them through so much shit already. I have put age on those people and everybody around me that I didn't mean to. Yeah. <laughs> I want to try and take back as much pain as I can. So I try and relieve that with humor, even though it's dark humor once in a while. It's still humor. You know, I try to the situation. It's I'm out of the situation. Like I can't go back and fix it. I can't go back. I can't grow a new eyeball. I can't. I'm going to try and get my legs back. Like I've got back. From my hip down to my knee, even though people are like, I'm surprised you got as far as you did. And I'm like, I'm going to keep going. I always push. Yeah. Life's worth living. It's easy to say that. And I do have my bad days. I have my days I don't want to get out of bed in there. I have days that I don't in my bed. If I can take little accomplishments and little victories and build them all up, that's good for me. I don't need to take on the world to save the world. I don't need any of that. I just want to know that my kids are safe, happy, healthy. I got a roof over my head, foods in everybody's belly. We're all here together. So that's the main thing. Like, I just, I want people to feel it's okay. It's okay to admit that, you know, your body fucked up on you. Your body's messed up. It's okay. Let's just try and find a way to work. Trying to find that confidence is a huge thing. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Oh, Amanda, thank you so much for carving time out of your Sunday. I really appreciate it. You can call me anytime. I'm always around. (laughs) Yeah, we'll definitely. We'll have to have you back for sure. Enjoy the rest of your day. And yeah, we'll keep in touch and talk again really soon. It was so nice meeting you. You too. All right. It was a pleasure meeting you again. And thank you so much. I appreciate it. It means a lot. Thank you. All right. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much to today's guest and to everybody for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on social media, share our podcast with a friend, and if you've got a story that you'd like to share on the show, go to our website or leave us a DM. Thank you so much and have a great day. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.